So uh, it has been a while since I've been up here talking to you guys. So um, we are finishing up, though, this series that we've been doing called I Am. Uh, and we've been looking at the statements that Jesus has been, has been saying throughout the book of John as we look at this, this idea of Jesus saying, I am. So if, you're, if you've been kind of absent, you haven't been with us, Jesus is saying throughout all these statements that he is God. So uh, we thought it would be wise if we are going to find out, like, what do you say about Jesus? We ought to first start with what does Jesus say about himself? And Jesus makes these claims over and over again that he is God, that he is God come in the flesh to do something very specific. But before we get into that tonight, I want to tell you a story about me and my sister, Tiffany. My sister is uh, about five and a half years younger than me. And when we were kids, we would always like go out in the backyard and play games and get in all kinds of trouble. Uh, and one of the things that we did that we thought was really cool is we would find like scrap pieces of wood. I don't know if any of you guys have ever done this, but like you finally like, go around the neighborhood and you find like scrap pieces of wood and like uh, sheet metal or something, like, whatever you can find that you can kind of make into a fort. Anybody done that? Yeah. So we used to like make forts, right? And so we would, we would find whatever we could and we'd make forts in our backyard or like maybe on the side yard in the front. And, and what we would do is we would take like sticks, right? We would find sticks and we, you had to have like in our forts, we, like, we had very sophisticated forts. So you had to have like, like seats and, and tables. And so we would get those bigger pieces of wood and to prop them up, we would take sticks and slam those into the ground. And we'd do like four sticks and then put some on top of it. You could like sit on it really carefully, right? And, uh, <clears throat> but the other thing we would do is we would go and we would cut off like tree branches and stuff like that. So we don't have things like this. This is actually from uh, an Asian pear tree. Um, but we would cut things off like this and then we would stick them in the ground. And we'd stick them in the ground. Like these were like our trees and stuff like outside our fort house, right? And when we, when we would do that, there was one thing that I noticed is that the trees that we planted, they never would grow. Like, and they might even look good for like a week or two, like maybe even longer, right? If we just left them there. Like my, my dad was pretty cool about things in the backyard. Like in the house, he was like, no messes, right? And I'm like that. You can ask Danae. No messes, right? But in the backyard, he was pretty cool. He let us like just leave things out in the backyard. And so we would go out there and like, you know, even a month later, some of them would look okay. Like maybe there was still like some greenery or like on this, you know, you see lots of little, little buds on this uh, Asian pear tree branch that will eventually become little Asian pears. Well, they won't now. Uh, but uh, because one thing we always found was that eventually it was just a dead stick, right? It was just a branch. It didn't have any life left to it. And so they weren't connected to the thing that gave them life. We had disconnected it from that, right? Uh, they were disconnected from the source. They had no root, or as Jesus is going to talk about in this passage we're looking at tonight, they had no vine, and you guys, I think we can actually experience the very same thing as these branches that me and my sister were planting in the ground in the backyard. Uh, we, can, we can live life sort of just planted in the dirt. We can look good. We can even look like maybe there's some life going on. And you can play at the Christian game and you can pretend for a long time, people look at you and be like, wow, you look like really good. Like you're reading your Bible and you're going to church and uh, you show up on Wednesday night and Sunday morning. You go to small group and you know some answers. 
And, and people think like, wow, you think you're, you look really good. But in reality, what's going on inside is that we have never taken root in who Jesus is. And we're still like this dead branch. It looks good because it's freshly cut, but it can't give life anymore. So there's no life in us. John 15 verses 1 through 8, Jesus is going to make uh, a claim. But before we get there, I'm going to give you our big idea. What are we talking about tonight? First and foremost, nothing of value is possible without Jesus. You might go, whoa, wait a minute. That seems, seems a little out there. Jesus is actually going to make this very claim in the passage that we're going to read tonight. And I think it's absolutely true that nothing of value is possible without Jesus. There are some things that are possible, but nothing of supreme value. Nothing that's lasting. So let's look at what Jesus actually says. And you guys are going to see there's some highlights in this passage. I've, I've kind of colored in some words for us because there's some things I want us to pay attention to. So I'm going to take a sip of water first Ah, much better. All right. So starting in verse one, Jesus says, I am the true vine and my father is the gardener. He cuts off every branch in me that bears no what? Fruit. Fruit. Okay, good. While every branch that does bear, Fruit. he prunes so that it will be even more. Fruitful. Okay. You are already clean because of the word I've spoken to you. I want you to do these ones for me. In me, as I also in you. No branch can bear fruit by itself. It must in the vine. Neither can you bear fruit unless you I am the vine. You are the branches. If you in me and I in you, you will bear much fruit. If you do not in me, you are like a branch that is thrown away. And withers. Such branches are picked up, thrown into the fire, and burned. If you in me and my words in you, ask whatever you wish, and it will be done for you. Last verse. This is to my Father's glory, that you bear much fruit, showing yourselves to be my disciples. Now, I highlighted those words, and I want you to see just the breakdown here on this next slide. This word vine, which is what Jesus describes himself as, or the root, if you want to think of like a tree system, a plant system, the vine, the life-giving portion of the plant, the part that sends nutrients to the rest of it, Jesus mentions that three times. Three times. Now, this idea of bearing bearing fruit, okay, producing, right? This appears six times. Fruit itself appears six more times. Now, remain appears eight times in a span of eight verses. That's an average of once per verse. When we talk about doing the basics, this is the kind of stuff we want you guys to be able to do is look for things that are repeated, key things. This, this thing that Jesus is saying, where he keeps saying the word remain 
I think maybe Jesus is trying to make some kind of point. Would you guys agree? But if you keep repeating the same thing, typically that's because you want people to pay attention to what it is that you're saying. So I want to break it down. Jesus is the vine, right? We start there in verse 1. He's the vine. He's the root system. He's, if you want to think of it this way, he's kind of like the nervous system of the plant. He provides nourishment to the whole thing. There's, there's nothing that can happen in the rest of a plant if it is not rooted. If there's no vine, if there's nothing rooted where the, the plant can actually draw nutrients, nourishment, the rest of the plant will suffer. And Jesus is saying, that's how important I am to all of you. And then he goes on, he says, he continues on in this kind of allegory. And he says, and my father, God, the father is the gardener. And the gardener has a very specific job. Okay. The gardener comes through and I just did this in my backyard and I walked through and I was cutting back all these things in my backyard. I I regained like eight feet of my backyard. Stuff was so overgrown. And I began to prune things in my yard, cut them back. And I also found that there were other branches within that, a lot of blackberry branches and stuff, these huge vines and branches that that were overgrown, and they were completely dead. They were dried up. And I cut those back, and that's what the gardener does, is he finds these fruitless branches, and he cuts them off because they're useless. They're not actually helping the plant at all. And he prunes branches that have fruit, So he does two things, right? There's two different kinds of branches here. There are branches that don't have any fruit and he cuts those off because they're they're not producing. They don't give anything of value to the plant as a whole. So he cuts those off and they discard those and we'll read about or we'll talk about later what what happens with those branches. But then he also, he takes branches that, that are producing, branches that have things on them. And he looks for areas where it might not be the best that it could be. And he begins to prune it back. And he looks for those areas where he can make the plant better by cutting things off of the branch, right? And as he does that, what he's doing is he's giving better health to the whole plant. He's giving better health to the branches, I want you to think of it like this. I know most of you, I don't go get haircuts. I do go and get some beard trims because you got to keep it looking nice, okay? But I go, you, I'm sure that you guys get haircuts, whether your mom cuts your hair or you go get a haircut, or maybe your dad cuts your hair, I don't know, right? But whatever you do, you go get a haircut and a, a barber will look at your head of hair and they will, do, they will recommend things. They'll see things that aren't healthy in your hair and they're going to either recommend product or one thing that they really look for is these things called split ends, okay? And they're really, yeah, they want to, hopefully they're not looking for lice. That's nasty. I don't know where you're going. All right, but, okay, they look for these things called split ends. It's when your hair, at the end of your hair, I mean, hair's really fine, right? It's really thin, but the ends begin to split apart. And that's not healthy. It means your hair's actually not growing the way that it should. And so they'll cut those back so that the hair can actually grow in healthier. They have to get rid of things in order for it to come back better. Then there's these branches, right? They're either connected to the vine or they're not. Now, 
If they're disconnected, they are headed for doom, for destruction. It says that they're picked up, they're gathered, and they're thrown into the fire. Now, interestingly enough, what does Jesus say about the branches? He says, I am the vine. You are the branches. You and me. He's talking specifically to his disciples and the others that are listening, but he's talking about us. You are the branches. And there are only two options. There's not a third option here. Jesus says you are either a part of me or you are not. You will either bear fruit or you're headed for destruction. Because they're not going to pull punches on this passage. Like if we're just being real about what this passage is saying, if we can just have a moment of reality, what this passage means is that if we are not connected to Jesus, these branches that he's talking about that are disconnected, these people, they are headed for eternal destruction. Jesus is talking about hell. I go, that's not fair. I have to be connected to Jesus. Yeah, you do. You have to be connected to Jesus. He's the only one who can save us from from being a branch headed for destruction. But those that are connected to him, they're headed for a life that matters. Jesus in this passage makes a statement that apart from him, we can do nothing. And and I'm going to get to that in a minute because I think that sometimes that can be a confusing statement. But I want us to get to what what does each of these things mean? So first, we have this idea of remaining. This idea of remaining is that, that Jesus is really driving home this point. Remember, we, we saw remain appeared how many times? Anybody remember? Eight, Eight times. We're actually going to see that in the following verses, it appears again. But Jesus is driving home a point. He spells out very clearly, what can you do apart from him? Nothing. I mean, and, and, I, and I hear that, and I think maybe if you're like me, you hear that and you start thinking like, well, really? Like, nothing? I mean, apart from him, you can do nothing? Because I know people that, like, they're not connected to Jesus in any way. In any way, shape, or form. I know those people in my life, and they do all kinds of things. Like, they go to work. They're productive members of society. Maybe they're even, like, good people. They're people that I love and care about. And Jesus, they can do nothing? Well, obviously, like, that's not true. So what is Jesus really saying? Because I think you can't do things apart from Jesus. So what is Jesus actually saying? Jesus is saying you can do nothing of eternal value. You can do nothing that ultimately matters. You can do nothing that will matter forever. Nothing with real significance that will carry on beyond you. He is the only source that takes people to eternity with God. Right? All things come to an end except for those, according to Jesus, that are connected to the vine. And guys, this is the real here. We just talked about it. The other branches are not headed 
for connection with Jesus. They're not, con- they're not headed for something that matters, for value. They're headed for destruction. And those are people in your life and in my life. And maybe they're, it's even you in here. Like you, you are a branch, but you have been cut off. You look pretty good. There's some buds. There's some leaves. You go to church. You read your Bible. You know some answers. But Jesus is all here. He's all just knowledge to you. You know some really cool facts about him. Well, guess what? I know really cool facts about lots of historical figures, but I don't have a relationship with most of them. Jesus isn't interested in you knowing about him. He's interested in you being in relationship with him. So then we have this next concept, beyond remaining. We have this pruning. He talks about this this idea that the gardener comes through and he prunes the branches. And guys, I want you to think about it. If I was going to literally prune myself, just kidding. (laughs) Somebody was like, what? Right? No, I'm not going to cut my finger off. Okay. But if I was to prune myself, guys, would that be an unpleasant process? Right. And I want you, I want you to understand that pruning when, and my question for you guys is what do you need to let go of and allow him to prune out of your life? What are you tying really tightly to your branch and not, not allowing the gardener to shear off? See, in my experience, the tighter I cling to something, the more likely it actually is that he's going to need to cut that out of my life. And the reason that is, is because those are the things, those are the exact things that are blocking God out. And sometimes we need to cut those things out and God may take those things out of our lives in order for us to grow closer to him. And the strange thing is, I don't know how many of you guys are into gardening, but people that are like master gardeners, we went and worked at an elementary school last year in Marysville along with Marysville Community Church, our church plant, our our whole staff went and and we were working at this uh, uh, over at the Tulalip in the Tulalip land on the, on the reservation, working at an elementary school and helping them to kind of uh, beautify their, their campus. And we had a master gardener who was there with us and she was super helpful because she's helping us like dig up these tulip bulbs. I mean, they were everywhere. Right. And we probably would have been like, what is this? And throwing them away. And, you know, and, but, but she was helping us to see things that we wouldn't have seen. She was helping us to understand that there are parts of the branch that might actually even look really healthy to us. Like I I would look at most branches on something on a tree or some kind of plant and I would go, well, I mean, as long as it's got some like leaves on it and stuff, it's probably pretty healthy. Because I'm not the gardener. And there are things in my life that I may think are really, really good for me. And when they get taken out, I get upset with God. That's not fair. How could you let that happen? 
Maybe you've even said this before. If God really loved me, he wouldn't have allowed fill in the blank. Perhaps we're looking at his pruning of our lives in the wrong way. Because to the untrained eye, his pruning may not make sense. Then we get to this next idea, fruitfulness. Okay, this is like the weirdest part of the whole passage, right? Up until now, like, I've been like, okay, like, we're either connected to Jesus or we're not, like, pruning, okay, there's things cut out of my life. But, like, what in the heck is the fruit? Like, that could be, like, anything, right? Like, I could tell you guys anything right now, like, about the fruit, and most of you would be like, yeah, okay, fruit, sure, okay, right? But but here's the thing. I, Jesus actually helps us with this. There's going to be some, some specificity to it, but we're going to jump actually to the apostle Paul here for a moment because he talks about this thing called the fruit of the spirit in Galatians chapter five. He says this in Galatians chapter five, verses 22 and 23, but the fruit of the spirit, catch that, the what? Fruit. The fruit of the spirit is love. Let's remember the first one. Love joy, peace, forbearance. I put there patience because I don't know. I don't use forbearance all the time, right? Patience is a word I would use. Kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Against such things, there is no law. First of all, I want you guys to understand, this is not a checklist. I think oftentimes if you guys have seen this passage before, you go, okay, how am I doing in love? How am I doing in joy? I really need to work on peace, right? Um, and, and we read this like a checklist, like things we've got to work on. That's not the point of this passage. The point is that as you are connected to the vine, as you are connected to Jesus, as we're allowing the gardener, God the Father, to prune things out of our lives, as we are connected to him, our life begins to display these things doesn't mean we shouldn't try to do these things, but if we treat it like a checklist, we've missed the point. The point is not to do these things. The point is to be connected to Jesus. And in that relationship, these things begin to blossom out. This is the fruit that appears as we are connected to the vine. And I, I think it's key that the first one that's listed is love. And we'll talk about why in just a moment. The first one listed is love. In in my opinion, the first one listed is, is key in this passage because all of the rest of them that follow, we call this the ninefold fruits of the Spirit. I remember when I was a little kid, we had like this song, it's the ninefold fruits of the Spirit, love, joy, peace. Okay, I won't sing it, all right? Okay, but... Uh, but but we had this song when I was a little kid, and we so the ninefold fruits of the spirit. I, I think the reason love is first is because the others are an outflow of love. I mean, think about it. Somebody who's loving would you would you think that they might be joyful? Somebody who's loving would they not be somebody who seeks peace in relationships? Somebody who's loving, would they not have patience? Somebody who's loving, would they not exhibit kindness and goodness and faithfulness and gentleness and self-control? Love sort of embodies all of them. Then Jesus in the rest of John 15, 
Jesus encourages his disciples to love each other. So we were in John 15, one through eight, and Jesus keeps saying, remain in me, remain in me, remain in me. If you don't remain in me, remain in me. If you don't remain in me, remain in me. And, and it, he talks all about this, this fruit that's going to be produced in our lives if we remain in him. And so Jesus actually answers the question in verses 9 through 13. As the Father has loved me, so I have loved you. Now, in my love. If you keep my commands, in other words, if you do what I say, right? That's obedience is important. That's how we show Jesus we love him, okay? You will remain in my love, just as I have kept my Father's commands and remain in his love. This is key. It's important. Then we're going to skip verse 11, go right to verse 12. My command is this, love each other as I have loved you. Greater love has no one than this to lay down one's life for one's friends. And I want you to think about what Jesus is about to go do very soon after this passage is he is about to go lay down his life for his friends. In fact, in this passage, Jesus shifts gears and he says, I no longer refer to you, my followers, the way that I used to. I now refer to you as friends. And he says, no greater love is there than this, than one who would lay down his life for his friends. So what is a fruitful life? It's one who is so connected to the vine, so connected to Jesus. It's, it's just who you are that they love as he does. And guys, this love is not easy. I don't want to sell you some like false bill here and be like, oh, it's so easy. Like you just, you just love because Jesus's love is so demanding the love that Jesus displayed demanded his life. It's sacrificial. It puts others' needs before your own. Someone who is motivated by the love shown to them by Jesus to love others is to love others as fiercely as Jesus loves them. And Jesus loves you guys like crazy. The way to have a fruitful life or to know that you have a fruitful life is, is that love pouring over into the way that you interact with others? If we go back to verse 8, this is to my Father's glory that you bear much fruit, and that fruit is the loving one another, showing yourselves to be my disciples. How do we know if we're truly following Jesus? Jesus actually says this elsewhere. Love one another by this, all will know that you are my disciples. Now, we've got to address this, okay? Go back to verse seven for me, if you would, Dustin. Because this is something like, I just, like, it's, it's not the point of the message, but we got, we got to address it. Is verse seven is so, like, I'm, I'm sure you guys have maybe heard this before. Maybe if you've been in church long enough, okay? And it's crazy taken out of context, like all over the place. 
Like, if I love Jesus, I can ask him for whatever I want, and he'll give it to me. I don't know if you guys have tried that, but it probably didn't work out so hot. So is Jesus a liar? Or is he saying something else here? If you remain in me and my words remain in you, ask whatever you wish and it will be done for you. So there's some prerequisites here, right? There's some things that we got to understand. If, then type statement. If you remain in me, if you're rooted in me and my words remain in you, in other words, and then you do what I'm asking you to do, you're living the kind of life that I've prescribed for you. That I've said, this is the way to live and follow after me. Ask whatever you wish and it will be done for you. Here's the thing I know is that if we're doing that, if we have a proper understanding, it gives us some clarity. Someone who's connected to the vine and driven to love others out of the love given to them by Jesus, this person isn't asking selfishly for things. They're just not. It's not, how they're, it's not how they're wired anymore. It's not how they're driven because how they're wired is connected to the vine and Jesus was not selfish. He is not selfish. They're asking for things that reflect a connection to the vine. This is not a concept that I think we get to sometimes if, if we're not careful that says, well, I love Jesus and I also want a new bike. I love Jesus and it would be awesome to have a boyfriend or a girlfriend. I, I love Jesus, so God, can you give me good grades? Can you make me a superstar? Like, that's not what Jesus is saying here. Ask whatever you wish if you've remained in me. Which means we look an awful lot like Jesus, which means we'll ask for the things that bring Jesus honor and glory. In verse 8, he says it's to his father's glory. This is something that says, God, give me an opportunity to love others. See the change in, in what we're asking for here? God, show me how to love like you do. God, give me a desire to pursue you and to pursue others. So there's some questions I think you need to ask. There's some things that you need to take away from tonight. As we've looked at this, these ideas of remaining and pruning and fruitfulness. First, I think you need to ask yourself just a, the, the heart check question. Are you connected to the vine? Or do you just know a lot of really cool stuff about the plant? Like, are you connected to Jesus? Do you have a personal saving relationship with Jesus? Do you fully accept that he came and lived as a man, fully God, fully man, to die on a cross after living a perfect life you couldn't live, to pay for a price you couldn't pay for your sin, to get up after three days of being dead, conquering sin and death, so that if you would say with your mouth and believe in your heart that you believe that to be true about him, you would be saved. If you are not in that camp, if you are not connected to the vine, then I have to ask you to really wrestle with that and say, why? What is it? What question do you need answered? You guys, some, I, I really want to be real with you. Some of you, it's been just good enough to act like you're connected to the vine. but you're not. 
And the reality of what Jesus is saying in this passage is, if you're not connected to me, you are a branch that will be picked up and thrown into the fire. Are you connected to Jesus? First thing you need to ask yourself tonight. And if you're not, there are a lot of small group leaders here who care about whether you are or not, who would love to have a conversation with you and answer questions. No judgment. They just want to hear what's going on with you. The next thing, as it pertains to the pruning, what do you need to allow God to remove from your life? What are you holding on to so tight that is keeping you from going deeper in a relationship that you have with God? You're connected to him, but part of your branch is all like gnarled and gross because you're just not letting him cut something. Because you, you can't imagine life without that thing. Or some of you are in a stage of life where you have to wrestle with something he has removed. And maybe the way you've been wrestling with it is this. I can't believe he would do that. I can't believe he would allow that. And instead, what we maybe should be asking is, why did he allow that? Why did he cut that out? For what purpose? How am I supposed to grow from this? And that is not always easy. Pruning is difficult. Pruning is hard. Pruning very often hurts. But I think we need to think about it differently. And the last thing is, how can you love someone else this week to share the love that's been given to you? Christian, I'm talking to you. People in this room that are connected to the vine, how are you displaying this fruit of love? What does it look like in your life? Are you displaying fruit? You guys, I'm, I'm hoping that as we end this series, we can take a heart check of asking the question that we asked at the very beginning on a Sunday morning. Who do you say that Jesus is? Because anything less than Lord is insufficient. And it is the most important question you will wrestle with in your entire life. Who you will marry, where you will go to college, what career path you will pursue, all pale in comparison to who do you say that Jesus is. Let's pray and we'll have the band come back up and close, but I want you guys to know that you have small group leaders who care about you, who would love to talk to you, and don't want you to wait for a camp experience to have a real conversation. Because that ain't till July. Let's pray and we'll have the band come back up. God, thank you so much for sometimes just harsh words, things that we need to hear realities uh, in, in your word. God, I pray for each student who's in here tonight that they would wrestle with those three questions. God, am I connected to you? And, and what do I need to let go of or really begin to wrestle with differently 
because it's already been taken out of my life. It's been pruned. And, and how can I display this fruit of love toward others in my life so that they might see that I belong to you? God, I pray that we would wrestle with that. I pray that we would seek out wise counsel, that we would talk to a small group leader tonight. We wouldn't leave here without having handled some business. God, it's in your name we pray. Amen.